Welcome to Wildly Wealthy Life, the show that's all about exploring the different paths to a life of freedom and fulfillment and how that ripples through your personal life, family life, and to the community. Join husband and wife power couple Lee and Kat Hughes as they share people's stories from different backgrounds and lifestyles about what it means to live a life well-lived. Tune in and take that first step to becoming the best version of yourself, personally and professionally, here on Wildly Wealthy Life. Talked about the stock market and compound interest and dollar cost averaging and like all this stuff where he stopped short and where Robert Kiyosaki from Rich Dad Poor Dad kind of drew the line was like, when your income from assets that you control exceeds your monthly expenses, like you won the game, you're free, right? You've escaped the rat race. And that was where the high school math teacher didn't quite draw that finish line. And that was really motivating to say like, okay, if I can tackle this from from both sides, if I can keep expenses low and try and figure out these alternative sources of income, then like I can, I can reach this, you know, <laughs> freedom, call it whatever, a little bit faster. Welcome to another episode of Wildly Wealthy Life. My name is Lee. I'm your host for the day and my lovely, redheaded, amazing Filipino wife. Kat is our co-host for the day. Kat, who do we have on today? Today we have Nick Loper. Nick helps people earn money outside of their day jobs. He is an online entrepreneur. He is the host of the award-winning Side Hustle Show podcast that features part-time businesses' ideas each week. He also loves exploring tactics and strategies behind building extra income streams. So Nick, how are you today? I am doing good. How are you guys? We are doing well. Thank you for being with us today. Nick, can you tell us a little bit more about what you do? Sure. So for the last almost seven years, I've been hosting the Side Hustle Show, which is a weekly podcast that started on this as a side project from the business that I was running at the time, which was the original Side Hustle that let me quit my job. But love, love, love doing the show. It's been an absolutely life-changing thing to uh, get to have these conversations with these incredible entrepreneurs who kind of practice this bootstrap style, this lower risk style of entrepreneurship. Say, look, I'm going to start something small. I can start it in my spare time. And then when when the revenue justifies it or when the momentum justifies it, then I can walk away from that paycheck or maybe that paycheck is taken away from me. But because I have this empowering and fulfilling thing that I built on the side. Like that is not a moment of desperation for me. That is a moment of like, hey, I guess I was kind of, I wasn't intending to quit just yet, but uh, now I have this thing that I can fall back on. As we've seen that over and over again over the years, it's been really rewarding to put those stories uh, out into the world and learn from those guests myself. Wow. Can I just say seven years? You are my hero right now. (laughs) We had just started and to even think, wow, this is going to be a show for seven years. That's just incredible. So congratulations, because I know, I mean, you know, before I love listening to podcasts, by the way, and before, you know, like listening to podcasts, I'm just thinking, oh, that's fun. We could do that. And then now that we are doing it, it is actually quite difficult. Of course, we (laughs) love doing it, but there's so much work that is involved in launching and you know, recording a podcast and putting content out there week after week. So congratulations, you are doing an incredible job. And yeah, you're my hero right now. So that's amazing. <laughs> but, Thank you. But, I mean, we could talk about the podcasting stuff if you want to go down that route. But it's like, it looked crowded in 2013. Mm-hmm. And I imagine it, I mean, obviously, it's more crowded today. And there's mm-hmm. more big money and big media in the space. But 
there's still a huge, huge upside in the world of podcasting because I don't know what the latest data is. Like mm-hmm. only half the population even knows what a podcast is, right? There's this whole huge rest of the world left to conquest in right. terms of you know discovering on-demand audio. Um, so I think there's a long way left up to go. So congrats to you guys for getting started and uh, <laughs> hopefully it becomes a, a seven-year run. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we hope so too. Well, thank you. So with your just journey... Um, what uh, kind of like got you to that space of like wanting to figure out side hustles and like just the whole financial independence? Like what got you there? I mean, for me, early days, like when I was first out of college and starting my, you know, quote career, it was the, the whole career thing was like not appealing to me. I did no desire to climb the corporate ladder and, you know, spend 30 years working for somebody else. It's like, I, there's got to be a way out. There's got to be a different path. So that was really motivating for me. And one of the things that was like the most humiliating in a way was just like having to ask my boss for like vacation down there. Like, hey, two months from now, I'm thinking of taking, you know, this time off. It was just, it felt weird to like, as a grown up, as a quote grown up to like have to ask. And so it was like, that was, that was a big motivating uh, factor for me. The uh, original side hustle was a comparison shopping site for footwear, which will date me a little bit because comparison <laughs> shopping is not what it once was. But in any case, I had a database built of all these different footwear retailers and you could figure out where you could find the best price on your next pair of shoes and the site would earn a commission on that sale. Ran the site for lots of years and eventually it kind of died a slow, a slow painful death. But Luckily, at that time, other side projects had kind of taken uh, the place of that, including the the blog and podcast. Now, on your on the blog, recently you had two hundred and fifty plus side hustles that are listed there. My wife actually did a mini version of fifty. and it's just incredible. But how how many of those have you actually? participated in and where what kind of rewards have you seen from you know the various side hustles that you've been a part of oh my gosh over the years lots of them i definitely have not done all 250 of them but that's probably the point too it's like you know pick and choose the couple things and you know double down on that i will preach simplicity first diversification second so it's like okay find something that works and you can but, you know, get some proven results with and then try and branch out uh, from there. But like over the years for me, that's been dabbling with e-commerce and freelancing and self-publishing and creating video courses, it's like all this different stuff. And it all kind of bubbles up to build up uh, an income and investing and dividend stocks and all this stuff and credit card rewards. Like it's once you kind of get going, like, oh, my paycheck doesn't have to be the the end of the uh, the income source. It kind of like gets your creative gears turning a little bit. Yeah. So what's been like your favorite out of them all that has given you maybe the most reward and sense of like, because you love doing it or the most reward for income wise, income stream wise? Yeah, the most, you know, in the sake of transparency, the most rewarding income stream financially for me has been affiliate marketing. And that was the model of the shoe business. That's largely the model of side hustle nation, although there's other revenue streams there today as well. So that's, that's really rewarding to me. The cool thing here, and this is kind of, it gets a little bit into the meta space of like, you know, making money online by talking about making money online, which is like an old joke in the space. But it is really rewarding to have learned over the years about how Google works and how SEO rankings work and be able to create something out of nothing. It it feels like alchemy in a way Mm. where you create this blog post that, you know, you see what else is out there. You try and create something more 
in depth, more authoritative, more helpful, you know, by whatever you know, metrics of definitions you want to use. And then within a few weeks to have that show up on the first page of Google and start earning traffic and start earning revenue, like that is like really exciting for me right now. And it, mm-hmm. because I never paid any attention because I've, you know, been blogging for years and like, mm-hmm. hey, if you know, people come visit the site, like, I don't know. Yeah. Right. But uh, figuring out or being more intentional about uh, the search traffic stuff has been really rewarding in the last couple of years. I guess, did you always have this interest in like, kind of diving into these different areas. What were your ideas of, of wealth back in high school and college? And what were some of the goals there? I'm trying to think of like some early formative discussions about money and ideas. So my college roommate gifted me this book after one of our summers. It was called uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And he's like, hey, I read this. I think, you, I think you'll like it. And it kind of solidified a lot of the thinking that had been going on in my mind already about you know buying or building assets rather than accumulating stuff. That's a big point that he makes. It's about, you know, investing for cash flow rather than, you know, amorphous appreciation or like over the long term, stocks go up kind of thing. And then where, and I was really fortunate to have a high school teacher who talked about the stock market and compound interest and dollar cost averaging and like all this stuff where he stopped short and where Robert Kiyosaki from Rich Dad, Poor Dad kind of drew the line was like, when your income from assets that you control exceeds your monthly expenses, like you won the game, you're free, right? You've escaped the rat race. And that was where the high school math teacher didn't quite draw that finish line. And that was really motivating to say like, okay, if I can tackle this from, from both sides, if I can keep expenses low and try and figure out these alternative sources of income, then like I can, I can reach this, you know, <laughs> freedom, call it whatever, a little bit faster. Wow. Nice. I love that. Moving kind of uh, just forward when you were talking about affiliate marketing and search like engines and all that stuff, can you tap a little bit more on how did you develop that? I mean, obviously, you know, people out there can just research these things, but just for our listeners, when they're listening to the show, since you're talking about it, can you talk a little bit more about affiliate marketing and also the search traffic engines and how to optimize that? Sure. So you're absolutely right. This is a subject that is really deep that, you know, you can explore to the nth degree in hundreds of different Google ranking factors, right? In basic terms, Google is ranking content that it is, it think it thinks is the best answer to a particular query. And so you have to look at what else is out there for that particular query, like that keyword, right? And for years, like I would come up with an article idea, come up with a blog post idea. I would Google it. I don't know why I did that. And I see like, oh, somebody else already, somebody else already wrote it. You know, I'll scratch that one off my list. But it's like, have you ever gone to Google and found zero results? Like, of course, somebody has already written it. (laughs) So that was a little bit of a mindset shift for me. It's like, okay, what pivot or spin or like unique take can I put on this topic that makes it different, that makes it better, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's part of it. So domain authority. So that's like creating authoritative content is one part of it. And then the other part of it is like the authority of your domain, which is largely driven by age and inbound links. And, you know, like what other signals can Google see that like, okay, this site is legit. Like they know what they're talking about and other people think they know what they're talking about. Like those two kind of combine. And so starting out, like you don't have any domain authority unless you, you know, went into the expired domain archives and you bought something that, you know, had been around for a while. That's something that you build over time. But you can begin to build it by writing really authoritative content and you know reaching out to other people in your space and you know kind of building these relationships online and offline. There is like this whole optimization thing that Google kind of like has on their own back end, and you kind of just have to like figure out, okay, how do I make sure that I can get on that so that 
Google kind of recognizes that I am like an authority on this on this particular subject. And so then you come up on searches a little bit more. And then again, like which also drives traffic and affiliate marketing. So with the affiliate marketing, though, how did you kind of um, start that? And how do you get, you know, sponsorship or all, all of those things for your sites? So the affiliate monetization method is actually probably one of the easiest ones to start because there are a lot of off-the-shelf affiliate programs through networks like Impact Radius or Commission Junction or Rakuten Linkshare used to be called. Basically, these are third-party tracking providers that companies will sign up with and it's like a central depository for all these different brands. And so you can go in there as a new website, as an affiliate to say like, oh, this would be a fit for what I talk about. This would be a fit for what I talk about and just apply to all these different ones. And then you can, you know, create content around individual products or services or brands, or you can create kind of like aggregate type of content. There's a little bit of both. So one example of an affiliate post that has done well for me over the years was like 101 best Udemy courses for entrepreneurs, freelancers, and side hustlers. And this was like a blatant, blatant affiliate play where it's like, here are the courses I think you should take a look at, right? Affiliate link, affiliate link, like a whole page. And in the comments, what was interesting is people were like, thank you. Thank you for compiling this. Thank you for putting this together. And I, did, I didn't know what the reaction was going to be. But over the course of the last several years, the post has probably made 30 or 40 grand in affiliate commissions just because it, you know, I promoted to my email list, but it started to show up in Google for like, you know, somebody searched best Udemy courses, it would show up in Google for a while. So that's one example of kind of a, an affiliate post around a single piece of content. You had that 250 ways to make extra money. That's an example of a piece of content that features a lot of different affiliates and a, and a bunch of other options as well. Yeah. And are you the one that goes out and finds the affiliates and kind of partners with them? Are they kind of gifted to you? Do you just do the research and pull everything together? Yeah, it's mostly it's mostly me. I mean, I run a pretty skeleton crew at this point. So just seeing what else is out there, what similar sites are promoting, you know, how can you put your own unique spin on it? Or sometimes what you know, what brands and services are you using? Those are ones where it's like, do you do you have an affiliate program? Do you have a referral program? Like how does that work? And oftentimes they they do, but it's kind of like behind the scenes or it's private or some of the apps that I use, like they don't have an off the shelf program, but they have something built into the app. Like, oh, you know tell your people to use your referral code or whatever. Right. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, thanks for sharing that because I'm sure that for our listeners out there who are, you know, listening to this and saying, wow, maybe I could side hustle, whether that's um, as simple as, not simple because it's not very simple to just like put a blog out there. It takes a lot of work, but you know, whether it's that or other things, it's just to understand that once you build it, it does take time for, for it to grow. But once, but the thing is when you build it, there is a potential to grow. If you don't ever build it, then there's never a potential for it to grow into something, you know? So. Right. It becomes very time leveraged where at the beginning you're working for zero dollars. You're, you're spending money on your domain and hosting and stuff. You're like, you're going backwards first. Right. And then, you know, maybe you start to make a couple bucks from, you know, affiliate clicks or ad revenue or something. And you're like, your hourly rate for a blogger is so far below minimum wage. It's like, it should be illegal, right? But then at a certain point, it like, you know, reaches equilibrium and then it goes way, way beyond that. And so it's like, a very time leveraged activity, but very speculative because you don't know. You don't know that that great, great hourly rate down the road is ever going to come. Yeah. yeah, I think I like the analogy of the the bow and the arrow, where like you, depending on how far you pull back, the farther that thing is going to shoot. And a lot of times, if we we put a lot of money and effort and just you know work and time into into something, you can really see how far that that thing is going to like really shine or, or really shoot. For you, do you remember what? 
what type of strategies, what type of planning you did to kind of get this side hustle show off the ground? Yeah, the early days of the podcast were really exciting because I remember like I watched this video uh, series, video tutorial uh, from Pat Flynn. He's still got it. I think it's podcastingtutorial.com. He's updated it over the years, ordered the microphone and then nothing. And then like, it just kind of sat on my (laughs) side of my desk. And it's like, I don't know if you've ever had this too, where something sits on your to-do list for weeks or months at a time. It's like, oh wait, it's all, it's all on me. Like nothing's going to happen until you like schedule that first interview. And the first probably 50 episodes are kind of just getting in the reps, like getting, like trying to be comfortable behind the mic. And I think almost everybody probably has to go through that unless you're coming in with some previous interview experience, which I didn't have any, but it was far easier than like trying to monologue, you know, (laughs) turn the the thing on and monologue for 30 minutes. That wasn't probably going to happen. But to get the show off the ground in the early days. So this is something that anybody can do because when I launched, I had an email list of 11 people, which is entirely friends and family. But what I did have and what everyone else has is a network that you've accumulated over the course of your lifetime. So the average, I don't know what the stat is, like the average person has 234 Facebook friends, call it. That's 234 people that at least care something about you know what you're working on, what you're up to. They might be curious to know what you're, uh, what you're up to. Even if they're not the target market for it, they might know somebody who is, right? So it's like tapping into your network's network or kind of playing the six degrees of separation game. Yeah. What I did was go through my Gmail archive, or Gmail like contact history, and I would open up a new compose window and just start typing, start typing letters like A, A, A. Oh, I haven't emailed Aaron in a while. Like, hey, buddy, uh, you know, what's going on? You know, what are you up to these days? And it, like, I, would, I would phrase it a little bit differently. What I've said was like, hey, I just launched this new podcast. You don't even have to listen to it, but every download counts. Like, you know, go help me out. Click here. What I would probably do today is this more kind of like ping pong uh, reciprocity game. Like, hey, Aaron, it's been a minute. What are you up to? We were just curious to hear what you're working on, right? Because it's, and when he replies, it's it's only natural for him to be like, here's what I'm working on. You know, what about you, right? And then that's kind of opening the door for you to say, hey, since you asked, I've got this new podcast. I'm pretty excited about it. If you know anybody who's interested in building extra income streams, you know, feel free to pass it along, something like that. Yeah. Oh, but that's how, uh, <laughs> if you look at the chart, it's such a slow, slow slog this first, really first couple of years. Yeah. But I think that's common for for a lot of shows. Yeah, yeah I love really that. Fun. Yeah, it's it's kind of, I love that you just ha- said how it's as simple as just going back to your Gmail accounts. It's just seeing who your friends are and starting with your closest network just to kind of uh, have a little bit of an example for our listeners here. I teach piano. However, because of the thing that's happening right now, I have to teach online, right? And so the funny thing is the, this whole teaching online piano thing is, is all of a sudden it's opening up this whole world for me because I realized I could teach people from all over the world. And of course, I knew that before, but yeah. this, I wasn't doing it. I don't really know it because the knowing in theory and the knowing in doing is obviously very two, two very different things. So for my listeners out there, I just really want to encourage you to see if there's something that you're doing right now that you can probably grow even more because now there's this online space that we are we are being pushed into even more now. <laughs> yes. and, and so for me, I literally, you know, I, I literally emailed school districts and I just said, hey, if you want to forward this to your families, you know, of your school, I'm offering this package right now, a free package for online piano lessons. And this is great. I never do this offer, but because of what's happening, let me do this offer. Okay. And, you know, you know, for the schools, because we, I don't know them, some of them don't reply and whatnot. And then I was like, why am I doing 
cold leads. Why don't I do hot leads? Let me go on my Facebook and just literally message some of my friends. And I messaged them and literally in an instant, I got like four families that are interested in like taking online piano lessons. Some of them are from wow. Hong Kong, like, you know, from all over the place. Yeah, that's one's awesome. Day, one is from Hong Kong. So it's just an encouragement to really see like what you're saying, you know, just go into your list, get hot leads and go into like just your friends list and start there. And sometimes we think of like this massive scale, oh, who's going to be our audience? But you already have an audience. We all have an audience and it starts with just our close set of friends and and that we can build from there so thanks for kind of like reminding me of that because that's i'm, I'm living that right now i'm like wow <laughs> <laughs> and it's so weird like i don't know if you're the same way but it's like i'm, I'm totally cool with like anonymous strangers seeing my stuff right. but when like close friends see it and they're like oh that's your serious voice like that <laughs> like this yeah. is, you know, it's it's like really vulnerable in a way that's so good. Yeah, I'm like that too. I'm like, ah, oh, the first two episodes of my podcast, that's just about my husband and I. Don't listen to it. Like, I tell <laughs> him, don't listen to it. Listen to all the rest. <laughs> yeah, because you become so vulnerable. And it's, it is, it really is nerve wracking sometimes. But you have a question, right? Yeah. Okay, in sorry. Terms of the, the fostering the relationships in that, because it's a huge piece of, you know, growing and getting the affiliate marketing in some instances in that. What are some of the things that you do to make sure that you keep those relationships up and, and running? So one of the most important things has been uh, going to uh, physical conferences, going to online, you know, t taking online relationships offline, like that mm. personal FaceTime has been, has been really huge. And my favorite event for the last several years has been FinCon, started out as the financial bloggers conference. And now it's kind of you know, online, you know, financial new media. It's, it's really grown quite a bit, but I've learned so much from attendees there, spoken there several times. It's a really cool community. And on top of that, they have, and I'm sure lots of conferences do too, they've got like kind of the, the Facebook group component to keep the conference going like year round. And so that's been really helpful just to bounce ideas off of like, hey, my, uh, do you guys have an affiliate contact for such and such brand? And, you know, somebody always replies, like it's really a helpful place to be. So if nothing like that exists for you, like maybe that's a call to go and build that yourself. Mm -hmm. Like I built the Side Hustle Nation Facebook community kind of sort of kind of a similar way where it's like it takes the conversation from you know one to one or even one to many to like many to many where people are now asking and answering questions without even my direct involvement but it's all kind of like your your content is kind of at the hub of it if that makes sense what's it what's it like for you like with the the facebook groups and like just kind of like i don't know being like a parent over like conversations of your kids or something but like like seeing all the different like back and forth that you helped kind of spur and create, like you created like a whole community. What's it like looking at those conversations and seeing that grow? So try and keep things clean and positive and respectful. And my job and the moderator's job to come in and either, you know, just delete people who are just being awful. <laughs> but like you, you kind of set the tone for the, the culture of the group. And I try and do that through, through positivity and encouraging connections and trying to keep out you know, scammers and, you know, whatever Forex trading pitches, you know, or join my network marketing thing. Like there's a ton of that, but thankfully I have a really good moderator team that, that helps keep that stuff at bay these days. Nice. What is your, just as you have evolved over time, what is your idea of wealth now? What does that look like to you? I mean, wealth is in one way, it's like not having to worry about where your next meal is going to come from, but it's also, you know, the freedom to spend your time 
the way you want to. And this is this is probably a sliding scale, right? Like very few people I imagine have like ah, 24 hours of freedom today. Like I just do whatever I want. But you can start reclaiming that in in little chunks, I think, and kind of work your way up there. So that's it for me. You know, like I talked about having to ask my boss for vacation, like having control over my time, being in control of my own calendar, my own schedule was really important for me. And when like as I achieve that, that that makes me feel personally wealthy, regardless of you know what the bank account balance says. Yeah, Sounds that's cool. awesome. Now, for those that are looking to seek that you know the, the independence and the wealth and whatnot, what would be three actionable tips that you could share with the audience that they could implement like today? Sure. So the first thing we're talking about this, you know, taking control over your calendar. Like that is how I tend to define freedom, and like we talked about it, there's a, there's a spectrum, there's a sliding scale. So mm-hmm. you guys know Brian Johnson, he runs a site called optimize.me. He proposed this idea, like you most likely have the most control over the book, the bookends of your day, the first thing in the morning, last thing before bed. So you can use, if you have, if the rest of your day is put, spent uh, putting out fires and taking care of the kids and going to work and commuting, like at least you, you still have these bookends, right? Everybody has this. So it's like, you know, how can you carve out time to move your goals forward, to reclaim that time for yourself in those periods, and then try and expand it from there. So I liked his point on, uh, you know, taking control, carving out, you know, five minutes, 10 minutes, half an hour here, half an hour there, it it starts to add up. And so that would be uh, the first thing. The second thing is to think about your, your income pie today, right? Like imagine a pie chart and think of like all of the sources of revenue that you have today. For most people, and kind of how we all start out is this, you know, working, working a job. Like my job is my income, right? It's hundred percent of the pie. And then maybe over time you, you know, have added some investments and like, okay, now I have a sliver of dividend income over here, but you can think about like Warren Buffett phrases it like very bluntly. Like if you don't find a way to make money in your sleep, you will work until you die. It's like, wow, that, that kind of <laughs> hits you, hits you right there, but we don't think about it. Right. So it's like trying to figure out how do you, how do you grow that little sliver of quote passive income over time? One of my favorite examples from the side hustle show is a guy who was doing motorcycle repair. That was his side hustle, like service-based business, hours for dollars, like I will fix your bike, add on Craigslist, like come, don't, don't pay dealership rates, like come take it to me. His stroke of genius, and when you mentioned like the piano lessons, like you kind of got my gears turned a little bit, was filming himself doing the repairs and uh, putting that content up on YouTube. He eventually started to sell like full engine rebuild videos and through his YouTube channel and these digital products. And now insurance companies have discovered his channel. Like, hey, would you mind doing some sponsored content for us? We're looking for a motorcycle guy. Like the service-based business, the non-passive based business has led to this incredible time leveraged uh, income streams. So really excited for that. Thinking about like very speculative in the early days, you don't know if it's going to work, but carving out a little bit of time to hopefully grow that passive income piece of the pie. And then the third thing is this idea of like, always be testing something, like always be optimizing. There's, I don't know if this is true, but like I read somewhere that Amazon on any given day is running like a thousand different tests on their website. Maybe it's like the position of a, of a button or like the color of text, something, it could be something small, it could be something big, but like, that's how they're constantly improving. They're trying to eke out these 1% gains or even like fractions of 1% gains, Mm -hmm. but doing it consistently, doing it daily, doing it on a bunch of different arrays. And I think we can take that on, on probably a smaller scale, maybe not, maybe not thousands of tests every day, but like have something that you're tweaking, have something that you're trying to optimize, that you're trying to experiment with. And, you know, 
and I do this in my calendar. Like I'll tweak something and then I'll set a reminder for four weeks out. Like what was the impact of that? Like did that did that move the needle in any significant way? If it didn't, okay, go back and go back to the drawing board. And if it did, like okay, that was my warning shot. That was my uh, in a good to great speak. That was like firing bullets before firing cannonballs. Mm-hmm. Like okay, that worked. Now how can I go big on that? How can I double down on that? Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. I love that. Taking care of your bookends of the day, right? Like seeing how you can reclaim your time. I love how you talk about your income pie and just trying to see, you know, where is your income sources really coming from and see how you can expand that. And then the last one was... What was the last one? <laughs> you just call it like always be testing or like have some have some experiment running. It doesn't have to take up, you know, your your entire day, but it could be like, how do I feel if I practice intermittent fasting? Or how do I feel if I start waking up a half hour early? Like you know, these little could be these little tweaks. Yeah. Hopefully, you know, kind of compound over time. Yeah, I love that. So and good. and if a tweak works, then keep doing it. And if it doesn't, reorganize and refigure something out. I love that. That's such a great that's such a great tip. What are other areas in your life other than just, you know, serving your audience like through your blogs and through your shows? What are other areas in your life that you love giving into and, you know, serving? Oh my gosh, most of our effort and energy these days is in uh, in chasing the kids around. So we got <laughs> Two boys that are I love that. they're four and two and that's a handful <laughs> trying to try and you know give them freedom to explore but also you know here's what's acceptable behavior here's what's not acceptable behavior like i don't know it's it's a parenting is a, is a new world for us so we're, wow. we're learning as we go as everyone does um but trying to raise decent humans is, is yeah. obviously top of the priority some kind of like environmental stuff I've gotten involved with recently. Like I joined One uh, Percent for the Planet this year, which is an organization that encourages you to give one percent of your top line revenue to environmental causes. And they're doing some coronavirus related stuff, especially in like food supply, like for yeah. endangered communities or at risk communities right now. So that's part of it. But just um, one, I guess, on the side hustle show, put it this way because he was kind of like in this same boat. He was like, I want. He's like, I was like, what, what, you know, what are you trying to go? Where are you, where do you want to go with this? He's like, I want immortality. And I was like, are you talking like Jesus and stuff? And he's like, no, I don't, I don't want it in my name. I want it in the actions of others. And he was describing like, if I can inspire somebody, and he, this was the the host of the Survival Podcast. So if I can inspire somebody to grow their own garden, if I can inspire someone to be better prepared, and they spread the word to their neighbor, right? Like, there's this cool domino effect, and I think it's the same way with the side hustle show and some of the content. It's like, if, you know, you can start a business and you can be more financially resilient and, you know, you tell three other people, like there's this, I don't want to use the word like viral, but like there's this, uh, (laughs) uh, there's like this exponential effect where it's like your, your work goes far beyond what, what you see and what you touch. Cause it just like, it can kind of blossom out there. And, and that's really, really, that was really inspiring for me to hear from, from Jack Spirko. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. That's, Definitely one of the things that we love to inspire our audience is that it doesn't really matter. Sometimes we get hung up on what is the thing that we can do, you know, but if you at least just do one thing, you know, as a service or like out of the generosity of your heart to someone that someone could take it and have such an exponential impact in their life and in the life of others. So it's just that whole ripple effect picture that we love to encourage our audience about because it's... Sometimes it's just as simple as like for you, you know, like raising amazing like kids, you know, that will grow up to be awesome human beings in the world that you don't know what their impact is going to be like. But as you focus on being a father and being a good father for them, 
that can have a massive effect, you know? So it's just, it's just so, so awesome to hear that. Um, all right. Well, we are in our quick 10 rapid fire questions and these are cracking. So these are quick 10 questions. We asked our guests. Some of them are random uh, things we want to know. Some of them are related to our podcast themes. We want you to say the first thing that comes to your mind and don't censor yourself and we'll keep it quick and concise. Are you ready? Okay. All right. Number one, if you could choose one book to live by, what would it be? The Go-Giver by Bob Berg. Uh, number two, your personal hero, living deceased, someone you know or maybe don't know. I don't know. A personal hero. Hero like puts people on a pedestal. Um, <laughs> I will say one person that I've taken a lot of uh, inspiration from and virtual mentorship from over the years has been Pat from Smart Passive Income. So that the way that he does business has obviously shaped a lot of the way that I run things. So I don't know if I'd go hero, but mentor and, you know, a virtual guide for sure. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Number three, the single thing you intentionally have to do every single day. I feel a million times better when I get a workout in, in the morning. It doesn't happen every day, but if I do that Mm -hmm. four or five, six days a week, like that's, that's definitely a good week. That's cool. One hobby that brings you the most joy. Uh, Skiing. Nice. Most rewarding thing you've done for someone in need? Most rewarding thing? So, you know, so it's very broad, but probably putting the show out there because I'll get emails from, it's weird because like, as you guys will find out, it's podcasting is such an anonymous medium. Like you will, you will never, never hear from the vast majority of people to, to get to your show. And it's like, you got to be okay with that. But occasionally you get these messages where it's like, I was in a pretty dark place. Through you and your guests, I learned that this was possible, that this was achievable. And like, I genuinely credit you with saving my life. I, I don't even know how to respond to those emails, yeah. but there have been several of those. And it's, you never know who's out there tuning in, but people need to hear your message. And again, and again we talked about kind of the, the compound effect or like the, you know, one, you know, the word of mouth spreading. So I think that's something that's, that's really, really impactful that I 100% did not anticipate at the beginning. That's awesome. Yes. This is a bit of a shift, but number six, first movie quote that comes to your mind. Oh, heroes get remembered, but legends never die is from The Sandlot. Yeah. I love that. I love that. All right. Last big purchase you made for yourself. Big purchase. I don't know. We don't spend a lot of money. This is a couple of years ago, but I did buy an electronic bike, which I absolutely love. I got close to a thousand miles on it at this point and, you know, taking the kids to school and riding downtown and just... It's, it's replaced a thousand miles of what would have been car miles or many of those would have been car miles. That's been really fun. And it's like always, I feel like it's always super windy here. So it's like, I just feel great. Like plowing into an 18 <laughs> mile an hour headwind with this thing. <laughs> That's awesome. uh, number eight is a food you cannot live without. A food we can't live without. I'm trying to think of favorite, like <laughs> we're trying to do like, you know, low carb stuff. Like pizza has historically been like the favorite, all time favorite food. It's like, I, I don't, like I try not to eat so much of it anymore. What we've been uh, doing really consistently lately is making kind of like homemade fudge out of coconut oil, uh, mm-hmm. cacao, and a nut butter of your choice. Super good, super high fat, like calorie dense type of thing. Again, you can always adapt. Like you can always figure out how to live without it. But lately that's been a, a staple for post meals. Hey, uh First time ever, steal the recipe. Yeah. <laughs> Great question. <laughs> All right, number nine, what is your spirit animal? Spirit animal, I guess. I don't know, guys. Um, <laughs> I would love the uh, ability to fly. So I would say like an eagle or something. 
a bald eagle, clearly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Number 10, uh, finish the sentence. If I'm stuck in an island by myself, dot, dot, dot. It's like it'd be peaceful for a minute. (laughs) For a really Um, hot minute. (laughs) Yeah, if I'm stuck on an island by myself, it's like, you know, better get swimming. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, love that. Awesome. Awesome. Well, two parting questions for our listeners. Where can our audience find out more about you? And if you were to encourage our listeners to serve or give into something, what would that be? Um, Of course, we'd love to have you uh, tune in to the Side Hustle Show, wherever fine podcasts are uh, are available. You'll find it there. You can think about like, you know, broad global causes and stuff, but so much of it starts local. And I was really inspired by a friend of ours, daughter, I think she's in third grade now, but this was last year. She just organized out of her own ambition, uh, what she called Park Cleanup Day. And we live even in a relatively clean town. I was appalled by like the amount of litter and garbage that was just sitting around this park. And now, now I can't see it. Whenever we go out on a walk, like I can't not see it. And, you know, it can start, it can be something as little as like, you know, oh, that's not my problem, which is what I used to like, oh, that's annoying that somebody would litter there. That's not my problem. But it's like, okay, I, I can do something about that. Like I can pick that up. I can go throw that away. So, so uh, something small, I think that's something that everybody can do versus like, you know, curing cancer. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you, really Nick. Like that. Yeah. yeah that's really you. awesome. Thank you so much for being with us today. We have loved chatting with you. Thank you for sharing all the tips. Love the actionable tips, by the way. That was awesome. So yeah, thank you. And maybe we'll chat with you again soon. <laughs> all right. Sounds good, guys. Thank you. Well, Nick Loper, that was such a fun chat with him. I think what I love about him is just that when he talked about networking, I know he really emphasized on like in-person, face-to-face connection, right? Obviously, that's a little bit hard right now in these times that we're living. But the funny thing is now that we actually don't have to like travel to another place, right? There's so many things out there that are providing opportunities for you to network online. Yes, it's not in-person, it's not face-to-face, but it's actually almost like we now have more opportunities to connect because we don't have to worry about traveling. We don't have to worry about going to an event and all these things, right? The events can be online in the very comfort of our own home. So I'd encourage our listeners, whatever it is that you're trying to do, really network with like-minded people and find groups that you can network with online right now. I think for me, the actionable tips of controlling the front and back of your days was Mm -hmm. the biggest thing. I really appreciate the morning time that I set aside for Mm -hmm. myself as well as the evening time, like putting myself to bed at a certain time. If I don't, like I know that everything gets thrown off like the next day if I don't go to bed too early and if I don't spend the time in the morning to get myself together Mm -hmm. and ready then I'm not able to perform as best as I could Well, coming up next is David Dodge, who is a real estate investor with over 15 years of experience. He actually started at the age of 21. Wow, isn't that amazing? Starting real estate at the age of 21. Well, he has wholesaled over 400 houses to this date. And we just would love for you guys to check out that episode next week. It's a really fun episode that we can't wait to share with you guys. And if you love this episode, make sure you share with at least one person that you think will be impacted by it. And go ahead and like and subscribe to us on YouTube or on iTunes. And you can also rate our show. Hope to see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Wildly Wealthy Life. We hope that this episode has helped you take another step towards living fully, giving freely, and building a legacy that deeply impacts your community. We'd love to hear what you think about today's show. Please leave us a review or like us on iTunes and YouTube. And click the subscribe button so you won't miss a show. You can also visit us at wildlywealthylife.com for today's show notes. See you on our next episode. Thank you and may you live a wildly wealthy life.